0: All right, let's look at the, uh, today we're going to look at wisdom again, the last of 10 weeks we've spent on this, and I'm going to talk to you about the wisdom of accountability. I want you to read this out loud with me. Would you, everybody? Confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins. You say, well, that's got to be talking about somebody else. I'm gonna take the halo off today, and we're gonna see that we're all human, amen? Amen. Yes, we are saints by the blood of Jesus, but we're human. So he says, confess your faults, slips, false steps, offenses and sins, and do what then? And pray also for one another that you may be what? Healed and what? Restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. What a novel verse, what a thought to confess my faults to one another. Lord, we just thank you right now that there is healing in the house today. And Lord, I pray that as we close out this wisdom series, you will impart wisdom once again to us on the issue of accountability for Lord. Everybody needs healing on one level or another. And we all need friends and those we can go to and pour out our needs and our issues and our stumblings and our mistakes. And I pray that, Lord, the, the pride will come down and the veil will come off. And, Lord, we will be able to be real today and honest with one another. And I thank you, Lord, for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I'm going to ask one thing before you're seated. If you're going to have to get up in the middle of the message and leave, I, I would ask you to go to the back now. Because when people get up in the middle of the message from up in here and they walk out, it distracts people. And I want everybody to really hear this today. Because God's going to release healing. He's going to release healing in our life. So turn to your neighbor and tell them, there's a healer in the house today. You can be seated. Thank you so much. Now, we've been going through this wisdom series for ten weeks. Ten weeks. This is the 10th week today, and let me just give you a quick summary of what we've covered in the last nine weeks as we've talked about our need for wisdom uh, in these following areas. The wisdom of a disciplined life is what we started with, and then wisdom with relationships. We talked about the wisdom in the third week of clean living, and then the wisdom of the Lordship of Christ, walking in it. And then we talked about the wisdom of contentment, being happy and content with what you've got. And then we talked about the wisdom of living one day at a time. Don't be a worrier. As the song said, don't worry, be happy. That came from Jesus. Amen? Then we talked about the wisdom of forward focus, having a focus through the windshield and not living in the rearview mirror. And then we talked about the wisdom of waiting on God, giving God time to move in our life. And then last week we talked about the wisdom of being correctable. Are people able to correct you and you receive it with a thankful heart because we all need to be corrected from time to time? Amen? That was really strong. We all need to be corrected every once in a while, don't we? Yeah. That's better. Now today I want to look at the wisdom of being accountable. The wisdom of being accountable. Now, when I say that, when I say that word, I know what shoots through your mind. It's one of those big, uncomfortable words that make many of us cringe when we hear it because we don't like being accountable to other people. We like just kind of doing our own thing when we want to do it, the way we want to do it. We don't want to be accountable. Now, let me me tell you what the word accountable means so we can be sure we're on the same page. The word accountability means to give a report, an explanation or a reckoning of our life to God and to others. That's accountable. Now, I'm going to say that again. The word accountability means we give a report or an explanation or a reckoning of our life to God vertically and to others horizontally. In other words, not only God, but others know our stuff. We're accountable to them. For the record, I i got to tell you, I think that accountability, which you're going to hear a lot about in the next few minutes, and I'm going to really show you how this works, but I think accountability happens best in a small group, maybe life group. We've got life groups in this church that meet once a month at least in homes all over the Metroplex to, to be accountable in your life group or with some small circle of accountability partners is, I think, the way that it happens best. Kathy and I have two other couples that we have an accountability relationship with and have had for a number of years now. And we get together periodically and we say, how's your marriage doing? How are you doing? How's your family doing? How are your finances doing? And then the guys get alone, the ladies get alone, the guys, you know, how you doing? How you doing in your thought life? How are you doing with temptation? How you doing with your spiritual victory? And we talk with each other and we're honest with each other and we know each other's stuff. So pastor, that just scares me, I understand. The truth is that I really think most of us don't like being accountable. Accountability means you gotta be responsible for your actions, that you've gotta keep your word, that somebody is gonna know if you didn't keep your word, if you didn't stay true to what you said you were gonna do. Now, let me give you a news flash today about the Bible's concept of accountability. Accountability is a part and parcel of New Testament fellowship. When the New Testament uses the word fellowship, inherent in that word is the whole notion of being accountable to another person. Now, let's listen again to James' words. And as I read James' words, I want you to think of the word accountability. Listen to what James actually told us. Confess to one another, therefore, your faults. Now, he notice, he didn't say like John. John said, confess to the Lord your faults, your sins, your shortcomings. No, James is taking it horizontal where John took it vertical. James says, confess to one another, therefore, your faults. Your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, in other words, your mistakes, and pray. Listen to what he says will happen in an accountability relationship that is healthy. He says, You will then pray for one another that you may be healed and restored to a spiritual tone of mind and heart. Now, notice confess to one another your faults, your missteps your mistakes, your sins, and then after you have done that and somebody has heard you, then you pray one for another. And when you pray one for another, look what happens. Healing and restoration take place. Everybody say with me, healing and restoration. Anybody in here want to be healed? Want to be restored? Do you notice here that when you're honest with one another in an accountability relationship, what begins to emerge is healing and restoration. And that is so crucial to the body of Christ. There is no way to get away from this passage without hearing the words transparency, honesty, and openness with other members of the body of Christ. No way to get around it. Christianity is not for lone rangers. Did you know that God creates every believer to be a bridge and not an isolated island? Do you know that some of you right now are in real trouble because nobody knows what you're struggling with, nobody knows what you're going through, nobody has heard you open up, you're fighting a battle alone, and because you're fighting it alone, you're failing at it, and that's why you're sitting here today to hear this message from the Word of God. As the people of God, we are inextricably, inescapably, inexorably, interconnected one to the other. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Here's what he's saying. There's many people in here, but all these people make up one body. Feet, arms, legs, mouth, ears, eyes. We all make up one body. Body. And since we are all interconnected, what we experience is felt by everybody. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. It doesn't matter how insignificant the person may seem to be, how much in the shadows or on the periphery they may seem to be. My little toe can get infected, and I guarantee you my whole body knows about it and my eyes go to work, and my ears go to work, and my hands go to work, and my feet go to work, to get healing to that little toe. It's the same way with the body of Christ. It says if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. If one fails, everybody fails. If one succeeds, everybody succeeds. Your victory is my victory, and my victory is your victory. We are in this together. We are a team. We are not separate parts, just walking into a building and sitting in a seat and worshiping and listening to a message and going home. We are one body together. So if one gets the victory, we all get the victory. That's why if one is struggling, then the whole body needs to come into play to help that one struggling part. Accountability is needed to overcome spiritual failure. Accountability is needed to overcome family failure. Accountability is needed to overcome ethical and moral failure. The Bible teaches that God created we human beings to be accountable vertically and horizontally. I've shown you how we're to be accountable horizontally, but listen to what it says about the vertical. The Bible says that we are going to be accountable to God. Right down to every word we spoke in this life, every idle word, we're going to be accountable to God. Romans 14, 13 says, so then each of us is going to give an account of himself to God. You won't be able to take grandma up there and stand there next to you and get credit for her walk. You're going to give account of yourself to God. You're going to give an account of your own life to God. What you did, what you said, where you went, how you lived. Did you live your life to the glory of God? Did you live it for yourself? We're all going to give an account because we are accountable creatures. The benefit of accountability is that when you have something that you struggle with in secret and you find yourself in a losing battle, you can bring it into the light by transparency with another human being. There's something about that. It breaks the power of the grip of what the enemy has on you. If you're struggling today and nobody knows about your struggle and you've been in this struggle for a while and you're losing the battle and you haven't talked to anyone, Satan's got you right where he wants you. Because he rules and operates in the dark. He hopes for isolation. It is the enemy's way to isolate us. It is God's way to relate us. But the enemy isolates us so that we go through his attacks alone. And he's able to, as in real life, when a wolf pack is after a herd of deer, They look for the one that's dropping back and separating from the herd. And they go and they begin to nip at his heels, nip at his hoofs, until he finally drops back alone. And then they are able to get on him and devour him. And that's the way our enemy operates. He doesn't want you bringing things to the light and letting others into your struggle, because he knows then he's probably lost the battle. Now there's three roadblocks to accountability. Here they are quickly. Rebelliousness. I don't want to be accountable to anybody. I'm not going to be. That's rebellion. Second one, fear of betrayal. And that's a real one. I'm not going to trust somebody to keep my secrets. I know people. They're going to talk. This is between me and God. Pride. I'm not going to let somebody know the truth about me. Listen, church, it has gotten to the place where can't we really just admit we're human? And we make mistakes. See, we walk in here, everybody walks in here with their halo. Hallelujah, glory to God. How you doing, brother? How you doing, sister? Well, how are you? Oh, I'm blessed and I'm prosperous and I'm this and that and the other. And, and all week long, you died a thousand deaths. But you get in here and you put on your halo and it's hallelujah this and glory to God that and praise the Lord this and bless God that. When, when truth be known, you're struggling rebelliousness, fear of betrayal, pride. Those three things work against us in telling anybody about our struggles. And they're understandable. I understand every last one of them, but here's the deal. The fact remains that the Bible teaches accountability. Confess your faults, your slips, your mistakes, your shortcomings, your sins to one another and then pray one for another so that you can be healed and restored to a sound spiritual walk. That's what it says. Bringing your junk into the light requires accountability and great accountability requires trust. I really do believe that a lot of the aversion to accountability exists because we've all seen church people whose private stuff came out. And instead of being restored and helped, uh, they experienced rejection, the sting of gossip, and were treated like lepers. And we watched that and we said, there's no way I will ever open myself up to that. But I want to give this church a challenge because God's hand is on this church. And we're going somewhere. And we're going to reach a lot of people. And let me tell you something about people. Healed people. heal people. Restored people. Restore people. You can't give what you don't have. And I believe that God wants us healthy and vibrant and full and successful and victorious and triumphant. Because that's what we're going to take to a dark world. So here's my challenge. We got to get to the place where accountability is an honored and safe practice in the church that we can be accountable and not worry about being betrayed, being gossiped about, being turned on, being rejected, being treated like a leper, leper, being ostracized, none of that. But we can be received and loved into wholeness so that we can take that to the world. Now, part of being accountable, in a small group, a couple of friends or a life group or whatever, whatever your choice of an accountability place is, part of being accountable is you've got to know how to restore somebody who comes and says, "You know, here's the deal. I've got to talk to you." And here they come. They, they, they come up to you and they say, "I'm, I'm going to be accountable. I've got to open up to you. I've told the Lord about this, but truthfully, I'm losing the battle. Here's my battle. And you open up and you tell them, I'm struggling, I'm hooked, I'm I'm addicted, or I'm going down in something I can't seem to stop. I need help. I need you to pray with me. I've been stumbling. I'm wounded. Help me. How do you respond to restore somebody back to wholeness? I want to put a verse up here. And I want you to read this with me, would you? Brethren. That's two of you. Let's try it again. Brethren. That's most of you. Let's try it one more time. It's good to quote the Word of God. I want you quoting it with me. All right. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. And then he closes with this, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. Now I'm gonna leave that up there and I wanna deal with this verse today because here's what Paul is doing. He's presenting to us a brother or a sister, of course, that has been overtaken. You see that word? Overtaken in a trespass. Well, you know that I'm a word guy. I love words. I wanna know what the word was translated from, what the Greek word meant. Let me tell you what this means. It does not mean what I thought. The word overtaken comes from a Greek word that means surprised. Think taken off guard. Think caught in a trap. This person who has been overtaken has been caught in a snare, caught in a trap, taken by surprise. They did not expect that they would end up in the condition that they are in. They are surprised. They're shocked by it. They're stunned by it, just like everybody else around them. They have been caught. You know, nobody wakes up and says this to themselves. I think today I'm going to go and ruin my life. I think today I'm going to go and and I'm going to find a drug or or I'm going to find a a relationship I shouldn't be in and and, and I'm going to invest in that drug or in that relationship and and, and I'm going to ruin my future, ruin my reputation, ruin my walk, ruin my life. That sounds like a great idea to me. Anybody do that? No. Talk to an alcoholic, talk to a drug addict, talk to somebody that went into an illicit relationship. They'll tell you, one day I woke up and I realized I was trapped. I didn't expect for it to become bigger than me, stronger than me. I'm trapped. I'm taken off guard. I've been caught in a trap. It's like an army soldier in some place like Afghanistan who's walking along and suddenly steps on a hidden landmine. Boom! Surprised. Or it's like an animal walking through the snow that suddenly steps on a hidden trap that snaps shut on his foot. He didn't see it coming. Suddenly, he wants to go, but he can't go. He wants to be free, but he can't be free. He's struggling, but he can't get loose. That's what he's talking about. Overtaken, surprised, caught in a trap. Shocked, snared, caught, taken off guard. This is the idea that Paul is presenting. He's talking about a brother, a Christian, A blood-bought, spirit-filled child of God. It might be a moral trap. He's fallen into an illicit relationship, just messed around a little bit before he or she knew it, in something can't get out of, snared, trapped, happens all the time. He might be caught in the trap of anger. And bitterness. Something has offended him and it angered him, and now he's bitter and, and will not forgive, and he's trapped, he's snared. It might be trapped in an addiction, happens all the time. Pornography. One look, two looks, three looks. You never intended for it to become the, 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 the master of your life. You never thought you would become its slave, but, but the trap closed on you, and now you're caught. You try to get out, but you can't. Pornography, drugs, alcohol, anything. Life is full of these things, full of snares. The idea is that he's trapped. He doesn't want to be where he is. He knows it's wrong, but he can't seem to get out. This is what happens in real life. I hear some of our religious friends, some of our elder brothers, well, Pastor Jeff, It's his fault. I mean, he's a Christian. He shouldn't be there, shouldn't be in that situation. We need to turn our nose up at him and walk away and leave him to his own shame and guilt. Well, hold it a minute, Mr. Elder Brother, Mr. Religious Friend. The Bible assures us that we all sin. We're saved, but we all still stumble, every one of us. Anybody in here stumbled so far in 2011? I just want to know. We have anybody that, that, that has made it thus far in 2011 and you haven't sinned even once? Can, can I say, I want to meet you at the end. Can anybody say, I have not stumbled once or sinned once in Made it to September, just a few more months and I made it the whole year. There's no way. Not one of you. James 3 verse 2 says, we all. Everybody say all. all. You know what all means in the Greek? All. all. We all often, how much often, stumble and fall and offend in many different things. We say things. We think things. We do things that we shouldn't do in many different things. Now, I'm not saying that then you should just go sin because Pastor Jeff said that's what we do. No. The more you grow in Christ, the more victorious you become. But I don't care if you've walked with him tightly for 50 years, there's still going to be a thought you think or a word you say or something you do that is not going to be perfectly Christ-like. All of us, none is exempt. John says the same thing. If we claim we don't have any sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. So part of the wisdom of accountability is to realize that we all stumble in many different ways often And that's why we need others to help us in our walk who can pray with us, who we can be honest with and transparent with. So here's the real issue. In our circle of accountability, whether it's just a couple of friends or a life group or church leadership, but in our circle of accountability, what do we do when somebody who has stumbled and fallen or gotten trapped in something comes to us? How do we restore them? Let me go over three easy things. And listen carefully, because there's a right way and there's a wrong way. Here's what Paul says. Here we got a hurting brother, a hurting sister. They've opened up to us. They have gotten snared. What do we do? He says, first, you who are spiritual, restore such a one. Now, a lot of us like to wear that tag, don't we? Well, he, he's talking about me. Hallelujah. Spiritual. What does he mean by spiritual? I mean, you got to answer that question. Some special anointed one, some saint, somebody with the gift, some ivory tower Christian, some spiritual Yoda who's above and beyond the rest of us, who can, who can lay their hands on or speak over somebody and they're going to be restored. No, no, no. What does he mean by spiritual? It's very easy. He who is spiritual is somebody who is filled with the Spirit and manifesting the fruit of the Spirit. That simple. It can be any of you, all of you, if you're filled with the Spirit and manifesting love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith, If those are manifesting in your life and you're filled with God's Spirit, you're spiritual as opposed to carnal. In other words, you're Christ-like. And it's the Christ-like person who's to do the restoring. Now, what does the word restore mean? Restore comes from a word meaning to mend. Like mending a net. When, When Jesus walked up to John, John and his brother were mending the net that had been ripped and torn. When somebody needs restoration, their soul has been ripped and torn. It can also be used to describe a doctor who is setting a broken bone. You've got a broken bone and you set it where it will fuse back together accurately. That's restoration. And when somebody stumbles and somebody falls and somebody gets trapped, Something inside of them has been broken, and something inside of them has been ripped and torn and needs mending. And God calls the body of Christ not to turn their back on them, but to walk in, and you who are spiritual, it ought to be everybody, restore, mend them, set the bone, and walk through it with them. And the verb tense that is used means you're going to need patience and perseverance. In the restoration process. I love miracles because a miracle happens immediately. Boom. Somebody comes out of a wheelchair, miracle. We love that. Woo! Hallelujah, God moved. But let me tell you how much uh 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 more powerful a healing is because a healing is somebody who is submitted to God, submitted to his word, submitted to his direction, and others are working with them. And it takes days and weeks and months to walk through a restoration process. And the restorer is being patient, and kind and gentle, and holding their hand and praying with them until they come out on the other side, and the cast can be taken off, and the limb is whole again. So, you who are spiritual, filled, and fruitful, you're the ones who are going to be used by God to mend what has been torn. And it will take time and it will take patience. But then he says, those that are to restore, those restorers, those that are going to step in and help, need to do it in a spirit of gentleness, not harsh, not mean, not finger pointing, but gentle. You know, can I just brag on Jesus for a minute today? Can I brag on Jesus just for a minute today? I want to know if you want to hear some good things about Jesus today. I want to tell you why. I want to tell you why Jesus is better than any religion. Because Jesus is a person, and we know something about him. Isaiah the prophet, centuries before Jesus arrived, predicted what he would be like when confronted with the fallen, the broken, and the torn human being. Isaiah said he will not crush the weakest reed. Or quench a flickering candle. My Jesus, if you have fallen, will not walk up to you and step on you like a wounded bug. He will not throw you under the bus. He will not walk away saying, Well, you blew it, I'm done with you. No, my Jesus steps in when everybody else steps out. My Jesus. We'll be gentle with you. We've all seen the reeds coming up out of a pond. And here's the picture. One is leaning and about ready to break. Or you've got a flickering candle. that used to burn brightly, but now it's barely hanging on, barely giving off any light. It's about to be snuffed out. And Isaiah said, the Messiah who's coming will not walk up to the flickering candle, the person who has failed, the person who has stumbled, the person who has tripped, the person who has broken, and blow them out. That's what the devil wants to do. When you're barely flickering, he wants to blow you out, where you never get up again, you never shine again, you never walk again. No, Jesus comes with a bellows. Yeah. And he gets that flickering flame. He says, what can we do to get you healed? What can we do to get you restored? I'm with you. I'm not against you. I'm never going to walk out. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You're going to burn again. It is not over. It is not finished. You are not done. I am going to stand you up on your feet again. And he restores. And that's exactly what he wants you and I to be like. We are not those who crush. We are not those who quench. We are those who restore. And we are those who heal. I was listening this week to David Jeremiah tell the story of a minister who was describing his fall into immorality. And he said, it was like being caught in a surf that carried him irresistibly out to the sea. Try as he might, he told a friend of David Jeremiah's. Try as he might, he couldn't seem to reverse course and swim back to shore. He was drowning, going down for the last time when a friend in Christ heard about his situation. And instead of condemning him, rejecting him, finger-pointing, preaching, the friend gently swam out in essence, where he was, took him by the hand and fought by his side until the battle was won. Years later, the two men were sitting over coffee, where all good things happen. And the man asked his restored friend, he said, describe to me your experience. And he said, pointing to his his buddy, said, you were like a lifeguard, willing to risk the surf to save me. The question is, church, are we willing to risk the surf to save a drowning brother or sister? Or are we going to use the tired old excuse, well, I just don't want to get involved, or I don't have time, or I don't have the anointing, or it's their fault? I know what God wants. He wants a church full of people who will not crush and who will not quench and who will risk the serf And swim out to where the drowning brother or sister are and take them by the hand and lead them back to shore. Get them dried off. Stand them on their feet. Give them fresh bread. Give them hope. Give them some love and get them back into the race they have been called to. That's the call of God on this church. Now, there's one last important thing I want to point out, and then we're going to close. The ones doing the restoring, Paul says, had better watch out for themselves. He says, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. What does that mean? Why should I do that? Because, listen to this, here's a fact. We are never more vulnerable than when we are helping in somebody else's restoration. That's when you're the most... Why, Pastor Jeff? Because you're praying with somebody who has been caught in something, trapped in something, snared by something, and you're going to hear about it. Now, I want to say, when those of you that need restoration go to somebody who can help you, we don't need you to go into morbid detail, uh, you know, blow-by-blow descriptions of, of what you did, where you went, how it all took place. We just need to know the general facts. I'm snared. Here's what I'm snared in. Pray for me. But even at that, You hear things, you're made privy to things that maybe normally you would never have been exposed to if you're not careful. If you approach that person with harshness, condescending, judgmental, you might find yourself falling into the very thing that took your friend down. That's what it means to risk the surf. The Bible warns us if you think you're standing strong, be careful that you don't fall because I don't care how strong you are today you can fall anybody can fall so that's why we've got to remain humble and when we're restoring we need to be spiritual filled with the Spirit filled with the fruit of the Spirit we need to be gentle not quenching not crushing not ruining their hope and we need to watch out for ourselves examine yourself look at yourself is the same thing lurking somewhere in you that brought them down Handle it. Remove the two-by-four from your own eye, and then you can operate on somebody else's eye. And what we're going to begin to see is healed people, restored people, who are freed for the first time in years, and that is a powerful person because the chains are snapped and the weight is lifted. Can we stand together? Well, Pastor Jeff, I need to be restored. What do I do? Find an elder, find a life leader, find a friend, a Bible teacher, somebody ministering in this house. Pray that God gives you somebody. And restorer, when they tell you whatever they tell you, it dies there. It dies right there it's not for you to go and call somebody and say, I need you to pray. It dies right there. If you tell another soul, you ask permission before you do it because they have opened up to you their innermost innermost and they need to be healed. Don't let them get burned. A number of years ago, Kathy and I went through a horrific situation at home, in our marriage And for the most part, the body of Christ crucified us. But there were a handful of people who swam out, called us, came over, took us by the hand, and swam us back to shore. And I'm going to tell you, it's very possible if they hadn't done it, we wouldn't be here today. They were Jesus- with skin on it. And they're the ones that we have accountability relationship with now. I mean, it was the church in action. And I'll be thankful to those people to the day that I die, and you should be too. So I know whereof I speak. We've been restored. You can be restored. Can we let the mask go and just say, I need help. I need prayer. Let's bow together, Father. In Jesus' name, we thank you right now for all that you have done for us. And I believe, Lord, there are people here today who have been called to restore, and there are those who need restoring. Help us, Lord, to have the courage to do it. With our heads bowed, if you can say, Pastor, I'm not ashamed to say it. You said you went through it. I'm not ashamed to say it. I need restoration. I need, I'm struggling against something and I'm not winning. I'm not going to call you down to the front. I'm going to pray for you right where you are. You say, I need, I need restoration. (laughs) I want to see your hands today. They're real good and high. Many, many people all over this. This response shows me how crucial this is. Don't fight it alone. Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for every person in this house now, those that raise their hands. They need someone. I'm asking you to give them a friend. Give them a confidant. Give them a pastor or a spiritual leader of some kind. Somebody filled and fruitful who can reach out, risk the surf take them by the hand and walk them through a restoration I'm asking that what has been ripped and torn will be mended and the bones that have been broken will be fused back together and we will have people running the race again who now limp because they need to be restored pray this with me. Those of you that raise your hand and say, Lord, today I'm asking you, give me somebody to talk to safe who can help pray with me through this struggle. In Jesus' name,